Tell me about so you saw right. you saw Fashion Week. We're rolling. Oh, you <laughs> we're rolling. Um, you you had you've observed Fashion Week over the past week. Give me your thoughts. I, I'm cu- curious to see what you've gleaned from that uh, rigmarole. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really taken too much time with it. The one thing um, is that Rick Owens has been using the same kiss heel for I think eight seasons now, um, and. I kind of wanted to just, I don't know, like I feel like that might be a good kicking off point for something that we haven't really discussed. It's been on my thought process about fashion and clothing for a while, which is that like, um, like what's the importance or, or necessity of newness? Uh, yeah, what do you think? Oh, okay. So th- that's one thing. I think to me, t- fashion accelerates like through newness right it's like this idea of always introducing the new yeah but also this idea i think that's common amongst a lot of designers or like graphic even graphic people in the creative space like there is nothing new so it's at this strange like um conflict right like when you're when you're when fashion is kind of you know dependent on inventing the new but at the same time it's almost a reinvention of the old and that's what you if you someone witnesses in fashion a lot they're deep de- they're always djing different aspects um that's kind of my mm. i feel my like summary of how i feel about newness in fashion it's never really new but they'll always package it as new damn that 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 djing thing is so real like um this feels like maybe like a bit of like a youtube fashion tangent but there is something really interesting about like like a dj isn't really doing anything they're just like playing songs that exist already um and just like changing them in ways that they see as relevant to the moment. Um, and yeah, yeah, I've, I've, that's a, can you, do you have more to, to that thought or yeah, is I'm, that like just something you just came up with? No, 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 definitely. I think it's been said a lot for, especially with the Japanese streetwear designers, like they're, um, they're not, and even if you look at Vetmo, you know, some even, I mean, all, all designers really, when you look at their, what they're producing, they'll say themselves that like, they're just trying to capture a certain historical moment and like make it, you know, bring it like uh, they'll look at something in the past and make it for the c- contemporary moment but all they're doing really is DJing and they're mixing like maybe a fuzzy hat you know with a I don't know uh, a, d- a disheveled seam and that's like you know making it contemporary um, but uh, I think also maybe to like develop the caricature of what a DJ is I think that's also interesting to me that like when this kind of this glamour of what a DJ is you know they're like this maestro of like culture and history and technology but actually they're just looking at the past, ripping, you know, taking things that are, well, are like certifiably dope, and like combining them together. So like they're just like really good at like research and like f- and maybe there's also intuition there, but they're not really creating and you know they're not like creating in the same way. They're like remixing what's already been done. That's dope. Um, yeah. What? Yeah, and and that's like, uh, it's like that that certified thing is like i don't know this is where i am in my own thought about this which which is like i and like kind of that guy uh in the discord the other day was was saying this it's like i don't know do you need 
to be doing stuff that's like boundary pushing like at the end of the day like a like pants are pants you know like do you need to be um fucking with the the like codified idea of clothing yeah I I like I think it yeah it's interesting like I feel there's this idea that like creative geniuses are like you know making something totally novel but I think it's just the ability to like kind of apply new technology to something that exists or like trying to you know I think it's really difficult to build on the novel um it's really just you know especially in the business practice being able to like make something sustainable that's that's like making something sustainable you're, you're like if you can achieve that at the very minimum that's like you're already doing better than like fucking like 80% of your competitors you know you're already like at a really cutting edge level but it's hard to get sustainability mm. I think even at a you know that's it's difficult but if you make it that far if you're already doing pretty fucking good I think um, but yeah it makes me like do, do you know the brand uh, the real McCoy's no isn't that isn't that is McCoy a drink am I, am I confused no but mm, no I don't I, I, I don't know what that brand is no. okay so it's it's like um it's basically the same brand as Buzz Rixon's in that it's like a remake brand of like uh, like uh, Americana and uh, military military gear from Japan. Um, and one of the things he says that he said in an interview that was translated, I don't know if this is like even verbatim, but basically that like the reason why he was, the reason why he wanted to start this brand is so that he could make sure that there was the same vintage clothing that he had access to for the future. Uh, and, and that's why he makes sure to replicate like the exact zipper or the exact nylon that an MA one bomber jacket would, uh, would have been made in back in the day. Um, and I think, well, well, that's interesting because it's like making sure that historical moments are kept there because those people ex like he he experienced something old in his present and so why wouldn't you extend that by reproducing that ability like that offering the other thought that i have there is that like with what you said which is like adding in new technology or or maybe not technology but new something contemporary um from the current like from the current zeitgeist, let's say, is, you know, like that's kind of the way that Hedy Slimane desi designs is that he takes something that's literally just a copy, but employs like the new fit logic to it. Um, and so he's kind of like re, you know, like bringing something that was old into like this new, new way of wearing it. I'm not like super familiar with like Hades Canon. I just I, I think for me when I, like when I saw and that's in part because I saw like the wave of Hedy fans sort of appear from the internet online like space and I was like, Holy fuck, I do not want to associate with any of these fuckwits. But for sure, like that practice is different. Like I think you see it throughout, like um like John Alexander Skelton, like Rick Owens, like the Kiss Heel, they're always yeah. like uh, like maybe you come back to what you were saying before. I think if like there are brands which are more like nostalgia orientated, I think if you just like you know, if you just you know that window of nostalgia only relates to that one demographic or that like that that window of demographic for that amount of time. But 
if you can take something like that's nos nostalgic for you and then also mix it in with something contemporary, then you know, you've kind of extended its window. You've extended like the lifespan of that yeah. zipper into you know not only capturing that nostalgic um, demographic, but also uh, like prolonging it into people who will find that new zipper like of desire and like you know maybe even in, in technical comp technical components. Um, but yeah, I guess. But like, I think that's kind of a common. Th like, I think a lot of really successful fashion or creatives manage to like you know take something that's like, certifiably cool and somehow tinker it t a tiny bit um, to make it you know cooler for a new audience or relevant for a new audience. But it's not. I mean, it's really just DJing. I think as we've come yeah full circle on this one. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that that like term there, mm. and I, I think like the. Like, th I have issues with that, too, because it's, uh, like, at some point, it would be nice to, like, think of, like, think of newness as something actually good. Like, you know, like, if we're just constantly recycling, or not necessarily recycling, but remixing or whatever, just, just to continue the, the metaphor there, um does anything actually progress? But, you know, the flip side to that is like all the designers that are doing things that are new, quote unquote, look like shit. And I wouldn't ever want to wear and especially not spend money on stuff from like J.W. Anderson or Craig Green or any of that fucking garbage. So I don't know, like at the end of the day, like I just need like a good pair of jeans and like a t-shirt and a leather jacket or, or like a bomber jacket or something like that. Um, but it's like those things already exist. Like I don't, I, I'm kind of, I'm like where, what happens now, you know? But uh, also I reckon like that, that, like what we've, like our values or what we value out of material, out of objects is going to like kind of fall out of, fall out of um, commercial viability. Like especially looking into like the, the dips of, you know, the luxury. I think over like our lifetime, li our lifetime, what a luxury good is in fashion has changed dramatically. You know, I think at at a point in his like we at least when I was coming to fashion, where something was made was like super important in how you evaluated it, and, and mm. like the and the materials that it, you know that it was composed of, the kind of yarn that you know like whether the quality of the cashmere or whatever. But I think in the w w like in that that's what a luxury good is. It like in it, w it was um, constituted of luxury material and like a luxury production process. Yeah. But I think now what a luxury good is is so different and like and like I think it's a lot more disposable but if you if a luxury grows disposable and also like a fast fashion grows disposable where are like where can, like is there is there even a marketplace for things which are which have a good production and also good material and also cool design I think that like that that value of that market is like receding um exp uh, exponentially yeah I, I agree I've, I've like stopped really caring about where shit is produced just because it like it's not something you can even really care about anymore especially w when you find out that even stuff that's labeled made in italy isn't necessarily made in italy uh the way that you would think it would be so yeah like all of that stuff has has been corrupted like what i consider luxury is just like what makes me comfortable and what what i feel good in uh, and it doesn't really matter where it came from. Ideally, they're made of natural fibers, whatever. But um, even then, like sometimes you want to use a nylon or, or a polyester. Like there's reasons why you would want those things.
Yeah, yeah, no, I think for sure. Coming back to the f- like the the maiden thing, I think that's like that's different because like, it's one thing to be like made in whatever country, but that's so abstract. Also, you wonder like it may be made in this region, but is this region employing like you know the kind of labor that's skilled, blah blah. So it's very easy to like quickly come to a point where like wait a minute, this maiden X Y Z means absolutely nothing if you don't really understand the conditions of like whatever factory was employed. But also like yeah. um, in terms of like the material, like the like. I think I get really envious of people who like are really good at sourcing or like r- authentic vintage clothing. I think it comes up time and time again. Like the bang for the buck in terms of like quality production, materials used, like labor in the goddamn um, jacket is so much higher. Like you get such a high quality p- product in like the vintage space. Yeah. Um, but you really, I think, also have to have a good eye, like a good knowledge of like what is like, you know, is this jacket from the 1960s, like from Italy, the good part of Italy or the bad part of Italy? It's a real, a real like PhD thesis to re- you know to understand that. Yeah, and you you actually even see it with like military surplus gear, like a bomber jacket from you know this one specific era will have a bi swing shoulder because you needed suppose they 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 thought and they developed it this way that you needed more mobility on like your forward movement um, for whatever reason. And then at some point they just stopped making them that way because obviously it was way more uh, cost effective to not have that extra fabric in the bi swing shoulder, and that's where like you get the the MA one with this the like uh, flat back, um, and that was <laughs> that probably happened in the seventies. So what you get now is like so fucking so much worse, like the polyester filling and that shit. Like that's yeah, like even. Even like what you would think of as um, current military surplus is like way worse than it used to be. Yeah, no, no. But even on that point, I think I love this like the the fashionization of military surplus. So I remember like I think maybe we we have friends in common who are like you know like their brains are shaped like an MA1. You know, their brains are shaped like a parka. Yeah. You know, they can just look at a fucking parka. You know, look at like a picture of, of two pixels and like determine that the year was made the country what legion you know yeah. what, what what like rec- you know what um band of soldiers had had worn it but um and you know that's like they, you know they're really skilled at what they do but then like i know in auckland and like, I, having those friends uh, in new zealand we had like a military store in the city and i would go in i'd be like what the fuck like this is so different to what was described to you by my like crazy friends because i th- i learned that they had like what you know it's not like the shop wasn't sh- was wasn't selling military surplus it was just buying like, like, like fast, you know, like poorly produced military knockoffs and selling them like military surplus, yeah. which I found like really entertaining. I mean, that was really funny. Like, kind of a proof, to, you know, even military surplus has like gone through fast fashion. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a there's a company here. Um, I think it's called Bulo. Uh, it's just a boot making company, and they they were making a, manufacturing a lot of um, a lot of the uh, infantry boots for I guess the Canadian military uh, during World War II, and um, obviously the war ended, and this boot company just switched to making like really 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 specific and expensive exotic leather um, cowboy boots, and that's what they do today. But like, it's so funny how like. I don't know. I think people people really like don't realize the throughput between military and directly a fashion 
like Arcteryx to this to today um, manufactures or or uses fabric or sorry develops fabric for the military. Like it's all one. It's the same thing as everything. Like it's all one thing. Oh, oh, that that's a spicy like comment to me. It's, that's all one thing. But I think it is like what you were saying even before that in terms of um the throughput from like military to fashion is a really interesting you know thing to examine. Um, and yeah, I think you see you know time especially with the more like here or the more traditional luxury brands. Um, what is it like? Um, like Burberry or like uh, Louis Vuitton or you know like or yeah, I true. Mean, Boss is famously you know or like problematically known for it. So it's yeah, there's definitely like a line there. And uh, looking at like Rick too, and I mean, but there's you know there's like the referencing to military and like Rick at you know early in his career just like one for one taking these jackets in, in some context. Um, but no, it's it is a very strong. I get envious sometimes of people who came into fashion being obsessed with like tanks and then being like wait. Like this tank air, <laughs> I, c- I can only find it now made by like, I don't know, Dries Van Norton or something, which I think is really, really funny. Right. Um, but yeah, it is. Yeah, usually the same people that can identify like <laughs> where your coat is from based on the camo pattern, <laughs> which, um, yeah, it's a very specific individual. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but also, that, I mean, thinking of like these instant history moments. Um, did I mean maybe this is a bit weird too? Did I was, did you? I was listening to this podcast, the podcast that our friend, um, or your new friend that you made in the stuff um Discord, um, he he linked to like mm-hmm. this this um podcast episode with a guy talking. He's like called Caleb Flowers or something, um, but okay, it, like it's this thing where like I think in the past few like years, or at least in the last ten years, there's, there's been a lot of like little clothing pop up stores. I've always had a hard time. I mean, th- very seldom are they like profitable. I feel like there are these ideas where people are like, I mean, not so too different to like the resale curation um, bubble. Yeah. But also like having your own independent store, like like and r- renting like a defunct bakery or something, and somehow making it into a store. But I mean, yeah, very very rarely are they commercially successful. But then I'm wondering, who is profiting? Like, is there someone profiting? Like, who's actually making money from these failed clothing businesses? Like, where like. Who is winning in that? Like, is it a psyop that like <laughs> that you know all these kids started making these failed businesses? Like, who is the money? Who is winning in that? I, th- I think it's literally just a way to create a block on your CV. I don't think any of these people are actually expecting these things to work. They just don't want to go through. You know. Oh shit! That's yeah. That's rough. I mean, you know yeah. I mean? Like they don't necessarily want to go through school or whatever. Fuck being CV cucks like that is rough. You no, know, I feel. I, yeah, I see what they mean. They're trying to like be like, oh, we we went idle for like three years. We invested all of our savings into yeah. this dead idea. Um, but I mean, good for you know. I I, I see the hustle they're trying to. Well, it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's just like twenty year olds that have CEO on their CV of the brand that they started that doesn't like it. Yeah, true, or I guess, but like it didn't really go anywhere. But that 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 that's not devaluing it. Like I I respect that a lot, um, especially if you go through with. It. But yeah, I I uh-huh. do you remember that brand Thamania? Yeah, I do. Yes, yes, yeah. And Gareth Pugh. Yeah, it's go. Tell me about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know too, but well, I know that basically neither of them are around anymore. So there's something to say there. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I think th- they were, they're like, yeah, that, that's a good point. They were sort of collected into the Rakoans, like, extended family. Yeah. But it feels like they were just, w- I mean, I don't really understand the, I think Gareth had a lot of business support from Rick and stuff. Yeah. Maybe also Thamania. Um, but I've, like, I'm also curious, th- I mean, being from the Arabic countries, I, like, I have a bit of understanding of, like, the political dynamic. I mean, like, kind of the, okay, I- like, if you're from the United Arab Emirates, I'm just going to summarize it. If you're like right. if, if you're like a United Arab Emirates citizen, it's like you're from Norway, but like you're really you're like a different class of person, and like the law, you, like the law does not apply to you in the same way it applies to other people in the UAE. Like the um, you're very privileged, like privileged not just in terms of your affluence, like you get cut a check, like mm-hmm. quite you know the, there's a government stipend for you being a citizen of the country, but also let's say you're caught speeding, there you'll there'll be a, a lot more generous towards prosecuting you compared to like a foreigner um and th- that's true of everywhere but like in uae it's like that's where i really learned having i lived there for like a year with my parents uh, that's where i learned what it meant to be like a second class citizen in the country like the right the rules don't apply to you in the same way so anyway thamani is from uae and I, i'm pretty sh- so i don't know what like weird back end like corridors him and michelle lamy met but i'm like mm. i really like i i there's something there that hasn't really been like unpacked properly. And but I think uh, it's funny that I was like kind of attacking. I feel like seniors, like you know, the fashion industry. Well, at the same time, I'm forgetting that famously, internships at big fashion companies don't get like any compensation. It's like it's truly yeah. Like, so why the fuck am I talking about like creditization at the senior level? We're at like at the at the most like you know blood on the seam level. There isn't any like r- so fashion industry like at a professional you know if you're in the production of it is fucked like from you know at many levels um, when you really think about it yeah yeah no, I, but i think that's well maybe not every business i haven't been in every business but i've been in a few uh different you know industries as you would call it I, fuck here we go um but it's it's very similar in, in the kitchen like yeah yeah, but the kitchen is like to the to down to to the stage. Like you, it's called a stage, and I I guess it's similar to what an internship would be, except for I from what I understand, the difference is that like an internship would happen after you're at school, where a stage is a supplement to your program. Um, but that's just free labor, and a lot of these large kitchens, like, literally couldn't run based on food cost and, and like overhead if you didn't just employ like a shitload of free labor. Yeah. Um not to mention that the kitchen industry is notorious for uh fucking paying people next to nothing and t- to the point that it's illegal. Um yeah. Yeah, but I think the only thing in my mind I mean the like the like culinary industry what is the only thing that compares that like to me that's the only thing compa- like comparable is perhaps the military, you know, like I think there's a lot of like, you know, and the, those conditions, you know, the working mm. conditions are like, lit- like inhumane. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's kind of sad that fashion, which is kind of like, you know, this exorbitant, I mean, like what, you know, there's a lot of money in fashion for sure. It's like a, a luxury. I mean, there's a lot of like affluence there. Um, nevertheless, you can make comparisons between the internship quality of life or the internship culture in cooking which is notorious like compared to like i mean i think yeah. compared to military or like really awful like inhumane nevertheless fashion internship can take on a similar sort of culture um 
it's really I mean they all should be addressed but uh yeah it's fucked I never did like a internship anywhere I like helped some friends here and there but um yeah like I both in the kitchen I didn't go to cooking school either fucking thank god and uh you know I just skipped that whole process by just starting as a dishwasher so Uh, uh, maybe I said fun like I'm thinking this might be a really good thing because I mean I'm thinking like academia fashion cooking all kind of share this like unpaid you know you were saying um, with um, you know these really like um, prestigious kitchens could not function without like this unpaid workforce at the bottom level and I think academia is very similar like if you didn't have this like uh, you know, I, whenever I, g- I look at new labs, I always wonder how big is their army. You know, like you know, of course you have like a professor at the very top of whatever lab group, and then you've got like your postdoctorates, your PhDs, and then you're unpaid. Everyone else is unpaid underneath that. Um, so, but the master students they produce like they produce um, material that's used by the PhD students, or vice versa, and also they produce material that's valuable for that. You know, that they may be valuable for grant for securing grants, etc. Um, but I want to mention this as a maybe as a footnote because it might be interesting to because ha- you, you have a friend who's a professor in Serbia or Siberia, what, Serbia, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, that could be a good conversation to have um, to think about mm-hmm. his experiences in academia. Um, but that's as an aside. Um, yeah, I guess like the the whole TA thing too. It's like you're you're basically just doing a work that someone else is being paid for, and you're just not being paid, or you're being paid very fucking little. Although I I, I don't like I barely passed high school i don't really know much about um academia as well well i think being both like suffering through academia both on both hemispheres of this planet so on the, in the southern hemisphere in new zealand when i like it was standard you know you'd be in your lab like when i was doing my masters i was like okay, i'm a master student i'm getting paid nothing for this but mm-hmm. i can substitute my time by working as a ta or taking on these like university roles to like teach undergraduates totally compensated and you know the salary was pretty okay like it was um substantially above minimum wage like a happy salary um but then coming to europe like a lot of phds a lot of postdocs it's like you take on these teaching responsibilities totally uncompensated you just do you like you're you're literally doing university like the students pay to attend university and and you're doing labor you know to teach them you're doing like their work but you see none of like the value that you produce you're not rewarded for at all even though even though you know there is something happening between which you're just not being compensated for um, I mean, maybe you could say that you're being pe- you're being re- rewarded in terms of a PhD stipend, but I don't like that's not really fair. Like a PhD is about you're being paid for your research, not like the value you produce to teach students. It's a very weird like. Um, mm. I mean, that's what I believe at least. But yeah, it's but, but in New Zealand, you, you you do get compensated for your teaching, so it's unusual that you have this difference. Right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I guess it's in like it, it's probably different everywhere, but yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There, w- there was something to completely switch topics. Yeah, yeah. There was something you you mentioned the other day. I think when we were just talking to each other about uh, maybe it was, maybe maybe we yeah maybe it was the last time we talked. Um. You mentioned wearing Guidi boots to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. What about? Okay. So, so the question is: Are you stomping around in the in like your? S- swimwear and the the, the boots yeah. or what yeah yeah I li- like uh, th- this topic well this is is expansive this is a whole fucking episode in itself and w- 
I am. Okay. I will attack people. Like you know, we were, we were chatting to someone yesterday who was talking about how <laughs> famously <laughs> he has never made a loss <laughs> on anything he's bought. You know, like everything he's bought has a cured value. Oh my and god! And I mean, based. Good for him. King shit. You know, like stocks. I would. You know, I hope he goes public soon so I can fucking invest in this motherfucker. But the confidence. Yeah, I agree. The confidence. You know, chef's kiss to that. What a beautiful human being. What beautiful mind. <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> I genuinely loved that conversation. No, no. That was yeah, oh, so yeah. fun. I mean, also just let's. There was there was some old school like fashion like you know shit talking. It was good. It was beautiful. But the point which and the w- why I speak about this is because there is n- the reason I cannot fathom that is everything I fucking wear, I wear it to the death. I like I'll just buy I like uh, most things. I mean o- almost everything about my John Alexander Skelton shirt that I bought. Everything else. I'll mm-hmm. I'll push it. Like, I'll go to a fucking meat grinding factory wearing like a Yoji suit. I don't care. I'll wear what I want when I want. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of my like ethos in life. So, n- I mean, not just those greedy boots which have succumbed to. I mean, th- those gre- so the greedy boots in particular. Yeah, it was when I used to live in Switzerland. You would you do the Swiss thing like every big city had like a river running through it. So in summer you would get your, your dry mm-hmm. bag, throw your shit in there, and you float down and you take it out. So I would put on my greedy boots. I'd bike to the fucking river. I'd throw my greedy boots in the fucking bag, my dry bag, which was never completely dry. If anyone's had dry bag, it's seldom they are. You know, they're not really designed as floating devices, but it's the you know what right. I don't care. And so that so yeah, I mean when I when I literally yeah I would wear, I would come out of the, I'd cl- you know climb out of the fucking river, I'd l- I'd dunk my hand in, into the soup that collected the bottom of my dry bag and um, you know pluck up my greedy boots. Oh uh, yeah, and that was. You know, and I was still dripping wet. You know, no, I, I wear my shirts. I like, yeah, I wear them like jandals, pretty much. But they, you know, they've lived a long time. They, I still wear yeah. them today. Yeah, when 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 I heard you say that, I was like, are, are, okay, so are we wearing socks with the no, weedies the, at the beach no, or what? So the whole the whole mindset is, I don't like jandals. I'm I'm like you know, I only wear boots. I only have boots. I don't wear, I don't buy anything about. I like I I had bought a pair of sneakers three years ago. I've worn them once. I thought I could break. Uh, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> I can only wear boots. What sneaker? It was some shitty Essex that I bought. Like I said, I just need running shoes. But then, okay, yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I would I, ra- I ran once and I quit. Like I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got them. I still have them, but I haven't worn them since. I take them with okay. me, but they're not worn anyway. The point is that yeah, I I like I only I can I only buy boots. I only I really just wear boots only. And to me, I understood going to the to the you know boots don't mix well. You know, leather boots don't mix well with water in general. Not river water, not no. salt water, nothing. But I do. Yeah. I don't. I hate fucking jandals. I hate you know when you get the fucking jandal string between your toes. That feeling. What the fuck is a jandal? Oh my god! Oh fuck, dude. What a thong? What What do you want? Like the, you know the little fl- a flip flop. Oh, flip flop. Flip flops. Flip flop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> this is a decisively North American podcast. I don't. I, I know. Like, fuck I, I don't know, I don't know what the inter- fuck a jandal is. We're international. We are, we are officially for those that don't know. We, we are, are international. We are international. <laughs> we are. We're in, we're in two different parts of the planet. Um. Okay, True. um, but yeah, and so the only reason I would wear greedy is because they were disposable to me. I hate, like, actually, I didn't like my greedy boots at all, um, and I didn't own jandals, yeah. so that's why I wore them to the beach because they were my my most disposable shoe at the time, and still are actually my most disposable boot. I'm gonna edit over you saying that word every time with me saying flip flop because I I can't. That word is oh that word is awful. Jandal, jandal, fuck, dude. Oh no. All right, that's fair. Because you know what? It sounds like, you know, like jegging. It just, I just picture like a denim sandal. 
that's on you. You you need to you need to copy paste your brain with the fucking right image. That's what you need to do. What yeah. do you mean? It's it's, it's a you problem. Fucking hell. Anyway, um, <laughs> wait, a gen a denim. Okay, I don't want to think about that either. That's well, because you know the jeggings like leggings, but with denim. Yeah, yeah. The, so those are gendal. Ab- ab- those are abomination certified. But then also jorts. I mean, we can, this is we're really expanding too far. Mm. Here. But so. That's why I wear the green. Do we want wait? One. We don't want to pack the green. Do we want to no. talk about no. the? No, okay. not not George. We'll not, save that yeah, one. Yeah, that that's that's like a life. That's like a real, like life coach session. You know, when we talk about George, are a way of life, okay. people. <laughs> when you, it's part of the lore. Not the lore. It's just people have to awaken their minds. You know, they have to break the fifth chakra gate and wear George. <laughs> 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 Sorry. I don't know. Uh, but so greedy. Uh, yeah, that's a greedy okay. Wait. Yeah. Okay. So so but I I okay. So you get out of the water, you know, yeah. you, uh, you you have a towel? <laughs> yeah. No, I, no, I, I, okay, I, so I wring my cock dry in front of everyone else in Switzerland. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> no, I have a towel, yeah. But you're wearing swim shorts, right? You're like, you have trunks on? What are we talking about here? Well, I can't, what do you mean? I came out of the water. What do you think? I, I came out of a fucking, like, a, <laughs> yes, I'm wearing swim shorts. Like, yeah. No, but. You're right. No, but like, true, true, sp- good point. Speedo, speedo, board shorts, what? <laughs> what you think? <laughs> No, I'm not a sexual offender. I don't wear speedos. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> You're not Greek. <laughs> Whoa, dude, what are you trying to? What are you trying to say here? Um, no, no, I, I wear, I wear like shorts. Yeah, I wear uh, swimming shorts. Um, and then I. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I'm painting a picture here. Fuck. Okay, got swimming shorts on. We're going above the knee, probably mid, mid, mid thigh. I'm assuming. Yep, yep. We got black socks, right? With the black guidis or what? No, White no, socks? Chocolate. No, I'm barefoot in there, man. In the wet guidis? Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, okay, I'll give I'll give my foot like a a a pat it off. It'll be they'll be damp. Okay, they'll be damp. Sure. So th- they're not soaking wet. I mean, th- to be fair, that when the guidis come out of the dry bag, they're already they're already moist. So my damp foot. Going That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, okay, th- it's soggy. It's pretty soggy in there. I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. You got. Okay. Me. So. <laughs> And then you 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 need a hot dog or whatever you know like if you're going up to the nah, past the beach. Nah, nah, nah. I'm assuming there's no. No, <laughs> I'm no, assuming I, there's no fucking sand. No, no, I, I packed lunch. No, dude, the lunch was in the dry bag with me. Oh uh, my god. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh my god, it's two fucking apples and a can of okay, beer so and a book that I've put in like in like <laughs> a um a ziploc bag. Dude, I. I feel like I never grew out of that. Like I, I even my first like Rick, sh- I mean the first like drive my ball, which was a Rick long sleeve. I wore to a party, and like and like spilled apple cider all along the front of it. And to this day, I have very similar antics. Like I don't think I've learned that lesson. Uh, but also, I don't really want to like. Do you is it learn? Is there anything to be learned about not wearing your clothing? You know, like I don't like uh, to me like. Most things I buy, I'm ready to like throw into a furnace. Like, like all my yeah. biking shoes. I've never owned a biking shoe. Like, uh, I've had, like, I've had, I've really d- sacrificed a lot of shoes to biking, which I shouldn't have, which I didn't need to do. But I just couldn't imagine biking yeah. anything else but those shoes th- 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 at that point in time. What are you biking? Now I've got these really like really rare, like hot like thing a pair of Rick Owens boots. I think I s- sent you a picture of them once, mm. but they're like I think they're from oh yeah 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 like, yeah oh six oh seven. They're pretty hard to find. They're not very popular. The side zip. Yeah yeah, and those ones I've like I've like shot to shit and before that i had a priceless yeah. pair of lineup. i mean now but you know there was a p- you know maybe seven eight years ago you could find dirk boots like for a hundred bucks less than a hundred bucks on yahoo japan 
and but I had I had, yeah. I had the best model. Like, to me, the best model, which now I saw, is sung for like over a grand. I think one of your friends is sung like he's got like a cachet of them, and he's sung them for like way too much money. And I and I had those were my biking boots before my red boots, and they're fucked up. Like so, I've definitely lost like a lot of potential value in just biking boots. Um, but I mean, I've gained a lot in yeah, terms yeah. of like who I am as a person. I want to believe. Yeah, I only recently like needed to get clothes that had to look like I I got a suit recently for a wedding. Um, I never really needed anything like that before, so most of the time I would just wear like, yeah, shit that could or would get destroyed, um, especially jeans. So, so yeah, it's interesting to have like a separate thing going on for like a special event that you know is gonna be uh pretty clean and and well kept. I mean, also to be fair, I think I'm talking a lot of shit. Like, I, like I think now that I've I'm a bit older, like I, I maybe two years ago I'd wear anything on a bike. Um, now I wear like I've right. got like two pairs of jorts, which I'm kind of happy to say they're nice jorts. You know, don't get me wrong, but um, I, there is I have I've come to respect that like there's finite clothing out there. Not everything is appropriate to wear t- on a bike. Um, yeah, I've learned the hard way, but I've learned that from yeah for the most part. I am disappointed to hear that my co-host doesn't consider himself to be a degenerate. Like, I feel this is a, this is a. Do you consider yourself not to be a degen? Like, why? How? Why do you think that? Are you not a degen? Hmm. I know I'm pretty generate, to be honest. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I mean, I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's it's each their own. You know, who am I to? I'm not the the degen police. Although I wish I was, I'd be a very good officer. Um. No, I've had I've had my years of, you know, living in a bedroom with no windows on a mattress on the floor type vibes. So, um, I I now have a bed frame. I have a job, so you know I can't really call myself a DJ. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I feel like when I was paid the most in my entire life, I was still living on. Like, I had a mattress like about two centimeters off of the floor. Um, so I feel like yeah, maybe it's like you know. It's very much even two centimeters is enough. Oh, yeah, man. I guess like yeah. I mean, the dust bunnies will always find I, a way. What? Go on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the thing is, like the the mattress on the floor, like archetype is it has to just simply be the mattress. Otherwise, like that's it's already too much effort to to lumped into that category. I I'm not sure what, where to go with this. It might have to be its own thing, but. I have like I mean, it's a private conversation, but when I moved into the to the UK, I I the my conditions I was living in were like absurd and not absurd just because of the conditions themselves, but the conditions I kind of I don't know the, I was in a moment there, but maybe this is more expensive. Like I kind of want to hear more about your like no window living situation, but this is a whole th- mm. it's a whole tangent we're going to like, get lost in. Um, I do want to return to degen mode and to to like ratify the fact. That it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, degenerates, uh, yeah, are sun independent, and that is the. Um, I do want to just say though, I'm not in America. <laughs> um, I'll further dox myself. I'm in Canada, I'm Canadian. True, true. Um, so, yeah. Got him, got him, boys. Now we want to put that find out there. him, find him, sick him. He thinks he's a degen or not a degenerate. We have to, you know, local Canadians find your boy and um. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I'll even go further and say that I'm in Montreal because oh, <laughs> I really don't want people to think I'm in fucking Manitoba or something. Mm, and to hear that, fellas, that's French. Which I've never been to. He's French-Canadian. Um, I haven't been drinking a lot lately. Mm. 
been kind of off. Uh, yeah, that's fair. No, I think there was a period last year when I was when I was drinking a lot, like with friends. But it was like ev- almost every other night I was out drinking, and I had to kind of wind back. But to, I always feel like it's not to me like uh, like a, a dinner night with a mate isn't finish until we go to some like random bar and have at least one drink or i always try to round it up like that i don't know why it's something i've got it used to yeah did i did i speak to you about um having korean food recently in stockholm no how's that oh it's great i mean i mean it's very lukewarm but the real trust i have to i'm gonna vent this to anyone who wants to listen to me i'm ready to like you know relive this trauma because the world has to know I paid two twenty five euros or two hundred fifty krona, uh, uh, Swedish krona, twenty five euros for a. No bo- one knows what that means. You don't. Okay, tw- fuck it. Twenty five euro. Right, okay, twenty five euro. It's like it's like yen to USD. You divide by ten. So twenty five euros. All right. We, oh. Okay. Do we know what that? Yeah. Well, fuck it. We know what that is. Um, fuck it, dude. You you have you have CAD Canadian dollar. I'm, that's a that that yeah, that's yeah, a I'm made checking. up that's a made up Hold currency. On. What do you mean? Oh, are you, are you, okay, we're talking. What? Go on. Thirty six dollars Canadian. Just for no, for the heads up there. No, no, so no one knows. What, you, you've done it. Go from euro to USD. No one knows what fucking CAD is, dude. CAD is a made up currency. Fuck anyway, whatever. Um. Okay, hold on. Sorry, I just want to make sure we know we're equi- you know we're equitable. That's what I want to say. Okay, so we're talking twenty seven dollars. Thank God. So yeah, so twenty seven. People can do this at home, but no, no. Th- I you know I just wanted. No. Yeah. We we are philanthropists. We're at the service of our constituents. So anyway, so True. um, we so. But that okay, that was for one bottle of soju. I spent fucking twenty seven USD on a bottle, of, you know, of soju, and I and I didn't. We did it twice. In the soju, like, isn't it like two hundred fifty milliliters? Also, like, it's yeah. not even like a full bottle. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's a regular size soju bottle, which is tiny. But that shit is meant to be like cheaper than water. Like, it's it's meant to be like you know next to it's like flavored ethanol. It's like really like the. Th- like the distillation yeah. process is not sophisticated for that shit. Like in New Zealand, when I buy a fucking bottle of soju, it was like eight eight NZD, which is like oh fuck, true monopoly money, like six USD, and so I paid like four times fucking more for a god. And I was like, and I d- and I was like really, I mean I had to because what am I going to do at a Korean restaurant? It's part to me, it's part of the thing. But fuck, dude, like st- people in Stockholm, sh- figure this shit out. It's not okay. Like <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm still upset. Yeah, is that why is like is there. Is Stockholm food costs like high or something? Yeah, I mean it's kind of bougie. Like everyone in Stockholm is like a lawyer or a business right. person, so like the cost of living is quite high. But it's not high enough. Like mm. that's like that should that's like has to be controlled. Like that's not. I don't know. I I felt really upset about that. I woke up and I, I mean the next day I was like I paid how much money? And it like the food was okay price. The soju got us so fucking hard. Um, it was bullshit. But yeah, I just wanna vent. That upset me a lot. Yeah. Have you had yeah, yeah. have you had atrocities like that happen to you, like in in Montreal? I mean, I spend an unfathomable amount of money on food, so uh, you yeah, I'm I don't even want to. But like, regrettably, go there. Or like, is it like high quality? Like, you know, like no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, yeah, I that's like I try to. You know, like we were just talking about it today, but like. I cook a lot, so, um, and I, I don't know, like, the supermarket food prices, uh, f- or food quality here is so fucking garbage that, like, you kind of really do need to, like, seek out, like, good produce, um, so, yeah, I end up, like, spending quite a bit of money on that, but, but it's okay, like, I, I, I balance it out with, uh, frugality in other places, but, um, 
yeah we got we got like uh we're like uh stock bones uh beef bones and uh some fucking sick hanger steaks from a farm here um it's like all grain grain or sorry grass-fed uh and uh yeah fucking delicious stuff dude yes yeah, i mean i I, agree. I think like food is never like it can't be con- you know it's like it can't be considered i feel like it's like it, if you can afford to have nice food it's always worth it it's like you know most things yeah can be, you know kind of be take you can kind of min max many other things but food is always a good thing to especially if you're cooking it yourself and you know what you're looking for it's always yeah um making that effort of putting that more into it just just to say that like with the whole like uh weight training resistance training stuff like a really like honed in a very tight way of eating your, your diet um, your diet is that right yeah okay. mm. I, I i don't know i think when when you say diet people usually jump to like oh you're on some keto or like you're cutting carbs or whatever like i don't really like that mm. um but yeah yeah i mean maybe it's, it's a bit of a tangent but i do i i'm always surprised like with i've come to learn over the years that like, kind of, it's really annoying to do, but, like, counting what the calories of what you eat really goes, if you're just trying to lose weight, it goes a long way. If you just, like, ensure that, you know, you, you're, like, under, let's say, like, 2.2K calories a day or something, that's, a p- um, yeah. of course, depending on your, your your body size and what you do during the day. But, you know, for, you can kind of get, like, a general average from an adult person of your size and go, go from there. That can be, like, a really efficient way of, like, coming into, like, a into underway of controlling your body size. It's really surprising how far just yeah. diet control alone determine like your physiology yeah it's it's really like 99 percent of it like you you're not gonna you're not gonna lose weight by trying to be more active it's it's or or like you know you're not you it really starts by honing in and and really tightening up the way that you eat and i think that's it it was tough for me for a lot of years um because i just didn't understand like what was like, okay, I used to have a bowl of, like, fruit in the morning. And I would put, like, a nice big spoonful of peanut butter, like, really nice fucking peanut butter. Um, and, and I looked up how many fucking calories are in a spoonful of peanut butter. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, there's no no wonder, like, you know, you, you struggle so much and you think you're doing all this stuff. And then you're like, oh, I'm putting, like, 1,200 calories of peanut butter on my breakfast without even realizing it yeah you yeah, know it's mad it's mad but also yeah surprising like i remember there's points in my life this is again related but tangent that where i would i would have dinner on like I'd, I'd, for dinner for me this is very top dj moment and I've, i do it now and again too i'm not i'm not above that still i'd, I'd crack open a, yeah. a jar of nutella have a teaspoon and just go, you know go at it and that would be ha- that would be dinner so oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, we've all been, i mean i've been there hopefully you've been there too it makes your body a bit funny if you do it like consistently but the point yeah. re- relates because the amount of like calories that can be you know packed into like this semi-solid food is surprising. Like you don't imagine it, but you can get really full on a couple of like, tablespoons of Nutella. That can be dinner in terms of calorie intake. Yeah, calories. I mean, it's it's all like the the diet fad thing. Like nothing is bad. It's it's really you know you just have to balance things out. Like you're right to say that. Like you. It's it's quite simple. Like you have to eat if you want to like do something, or if you want to like lower your weight, you have to eat fewer calories than you burn, mm. or than you need 
for energy. When you were younger, had you ever gone through like a thick boy phase? Like, like throughout your life, did you have like were you were you like a fat kid when you were young, or like were you a chubby kid? Like, not no, not really. But how, how like when winter? Hit, how long have you lived in Stockholm? Actually, how long have you lived in a country that has like a serious winter? Two years, less than two years. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, okay. So you you've been in Stockholm for two years? Yeah, almost two years now. Yeah. Yeah, I've lived here most of my life. Like the other couple of years I lived in Toronto, but it's effectively the same thing where like it gets so cold that you can't not put on weight. Like it's actually probably better for you to do that because it, it's a way to keep yourself warm sort of. In terms of like, no, I've never really been big. Like I got into like a pretty serious bike accident um, maybe four years ago. Um, around, around and I, 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 sorry, go on. Yep, yep. No, what's that? Is it around the same time that Evan got into a bike accident? Was around, like, did you both got, did you guys like yeah. recognize your surgical procedure? Within months of each other, yeah. No, yeah. wow, that's incredible. Sorry, go on. Which, which we only found out after. I had, I didn't realize that she, but yeah, I didn't realize that she had, that's something that happened to her either. Um, maybe I'll send you, I'll send you a photo because I took a pic in the emergency room, but I had, I got 22 stitches in my face. Um, and I don't really have any facial scar left, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty gnarly. Um, but yeah, so after that, like, as a, I've been, I bike a lot usually, and I, I guess I've fucking totaled my bike, so I couldn't, I didn't get a new one for a while. And then I guess I was just a bit like sketched out about biking, obviously. Um, so I put on, and then I think the pandemic hit and a lot of that shit. So anyways, I just ended up putting on like 25 pounds over like maybe two months, which is a lot when you're, um, five, nine. So yeah, that, that was that, that, that realization that I got up to like 175 was, uh, or 176, I think was kind of where all this need to, to kind of hone my, uh, hone my, uh, health, Maybe I don't know what you would call it, but keep that keep that shit in check as I get older. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's very relatable. I think after I think before then, before COVID, I was very like I didn't really put up, put up my diet in a serious way, but I did notice that certain things, the waist wasn't where I remembered, you know, where I had once remembered it had been, and then I was like, oh shit, I have to yeah. like, be a bit more aware of what I'm eating and like how to manage this in a more like conscious way. Yeah, I think, uh, but I mean, I didn't get, like, luckily, I mean, I've been in bike accidents, but not, like, serious ones. I think the most severe one I had yeah. was when I, I haven't shown you the picture. It's on my elbow, Um, but it was, I just, like, lost like, a chunk of skin. It was really nothing. It was, like, it was just yeah, like, yeah. blood. Like, uh, no skin, I just, like, walked it off, and it was fine. Um, yeah. But um, I do look forward to, like, that, that 22 stitch one sounds like some real shit. But I, I did have the, th I mean, I can't relate to the, that experience, but th I did have that fear that once I fell off of my bike, do I, you know, would I ever get back onto it? And I think for the the next like two or three weeks, I was just walking between, I was walking everywhere, and I was like, oh shit, like, but I mean, yeah. to be fair, it was also very snowy and stuff, so uh, the conditions weren't perfect. But, but I mean, I was surprised. You just kind of have to get yeah. back on. Yeah, I think you just like it's just like that thing. I mean, I can't maybe for you it's a bit more, but like for me, once I got back on, I was oh yeah, like it's normal again. I didn't, it was fine. Um, no, I was just, I, I, it took me like three months to heal, so I wasn't like. It wasn't that I was like scared of it. It was more just like I needed rest or whatever. Mm. Um, 
but then yeah like i just started getting i I bought a new bike and i just started or i think like maybe a year later i bought a bike and just started going again and um actually i still ride that bike in the summer here the the accident that you had fucking uh i just you know the detail there um yeah was this like did you collide with something or did something collide into you or did you like lose control like what was the what happened basically i just hit a speed bump without seeing it and i like my face went through the back of a a car window um and so i had lacerations on my nose and chin yes it was pretty fucking crazy and i was not wearing a helmet but that didn't matter because i went kind of chin first um but yeah it didn't break anything didn't no nothing with my teeth it was really just like lacerations on my face did you pull yourself fucking so lucky did you pull yourself out of the window or like like did did you come to and like? well i just yeah yeah yeah. i was like i yeah i called my called jess uh she picked me up and we went to the the emergency that's very like i'm glad i'm glad that worked out i mean yeah that's very because i feel like if you went like you know scalp first it might have been a very different story um yeah yeah for sure I had I had one accident um, when I first moved to Stockholm, and it was a rainy day. I was coming over a bridge, and and in hindsight, I hope that person isn't watching. But I think it was totally my fault. Like I was, it was, a, it, was <laughs> it was a you know going down the bike lane, two sides of the bike lane. It was pretty wet. It was probably going a bit too fast, and then I and yeah. this guy like I was turning off of the path like to get off my bike. At the same time, this man was coming towards me and turning into me off of the path to try to avoid me but also like turning his bike like horizontally so i ran straight into him and i and i oh, I, d- I did a flip over my handlebars onto my yeah. ass and I, I was wearing nothing about like a woolen like a, a beanie like a possum wool beanie or some shit um and so i'm so lucky that i like flipped because I, I went over my butt so I, and i and t- you know I, I landed like on my if i landed anywhere else it would have been a much different story but it was kind of comfy. Like I just kind of landed. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, what? Ju- what just happened? Gave myself a moment, like just lying there. Got up, dusted myself off, and like biked home. Between like the old dude was very angry at me, and I, I and, like he tried to like oh. get insurance information off of me, and I was just like, "I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any insurance information. Good luck with your bike. Bye." Like I was so not in the mood. Wait, in yeah, bike insurance. I know, dude. These Swedes have to like. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like one, I just moved. I don't have any insurance to begin with. Two. Who the fuck has bike insurance to begin? Like, like yeah, yeah, like so relax. It's like fifty bucks. They get fucking your bike is trash. Like, get away from me. <laughs> anyway, I really want to talk more about the not like you talk, you mentioned Kiss Heels in terms of like um, <coughs> these products in fashion, which you feel like if they're really inventing something new, etc. And it's interesting that Rick has like reproduced, like reintroduced these or like done them every season for like iteratively for a while now. Um, but I w- the, the angle of Kiss Heel that I want to come at it is like. There, there are some fashion products which are like I think dang, like the, the the learning curve, learning how to wear a kiss heel is not smooth. You know, it's like learning learn to wear a heel as is something I feel like you're conditioned into. Like if you don't know how, how to wear a heel, mm. you know, you, you, it's not like a boot. Once you put a heel on, it's like a way different experience. The the interesting thing about the kiss heel for men's the men's one is that like the platform and the heel part are so close to being the same height that. I haven't worn them, by the way. Mm. I wouldn't, just for the record. <laughs> um, but from what I hear is that it's basically just a shoe. Like that, I, oh. obviously you're like six inches off the ground, and so there is some there is some uh, danger there. But in terms of the dif- difficulty or whatever, it, it doesn't 
people say that it's not that not that bad. Okay, well, thank because I I was really I was I just thought that like every member of the Raccoons Discord had just spent like you know th- three weeks at a boot camp together had all <laughs> learned how to like wear fucking casinos. <laughs> I thought there was like a real yeah. training program, but maybe they've just designed it, they've engineered it in a certain way where you know it's the learning curve isn't so steep. Because uh, I, when I was younger, I tried wearing like a pair of older Raccoons, a respectable pair from Anthem. And that was hard. I could not walk in them. It was a very like th- that was not a smooth. I was like, wow, I am. I don't like the wedges. Yeah, the wedges. Yeah, and I didn't have like mm-hmm. the. It was cool, but it wasn't cool enough for me to like learn how to walk in them. I'm just gonna go back to my boots now. Um, yeah. But no, okay. Well, that's good. You know, they thought about. Everything. I don't know. I feel like the, the highest I would, the highest I would go is like one of the like I tried on a pair of the, the Celine, uh, sixty millimeter boots on, and. Honestly, they're it. It's a bit much. Like, I I don't know. I don't I don't have that need to like. Like it maybe an inch or no. I guess an inch is quite big. But like yeah, like thirty thirty forty millimeters is good enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't need I don't need that height. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different different world after you start pushing the goddamn heel up that far. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, so there. Speaking of the kiss heel thing, um, I'm pretty sure there's now two of the kiss heel like Rick Owens guys that are in Montreal, which is funny because as I said, like we were talking the other day, mm. and um, you know there isn't that much fashion happening in Montreal. It's like here and there, um, and so like, it's really jarring to see someone stomping down the street with like. With the whole, you know, the whole get up on. No, it is, I mean, I, I don't, maybe it's comparable to Auckland. Like, I thought when I was living in Auckland, I had, I had, a, I had like a very sensitive radar to who was like a fashion person, you know, in the city. Like, I w- like if there was yeah. someone, I, I could very quickly like triangulate like GPS, you know, latitude, longitude of where any person was who was wearing more than like $400 of clothing. I could, you know, I would uh, like, yeah. I had a very acute awareness. So, and I knew, I mean, I feel like I knew everyone who was like doing that kind of shit. And if I didn't, I'd be like fucking surprised. I think that's a lot more common. But back when I was younger, it wasn't. Um, so mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's super jarring when you like when you're walking up down the street, or you see people have these really elaborate fit picks in corners of the street, you know, parts of uh, the city that you know, and you're just like, that is very unusual behavior. Like why, like no one but you is dressing like that within like a 500 kilometer radius. You know, like it's just like what is. What are you doing here? This get out! <laughs> like, you can't be this. Yeah. You know you can't be wearing this much money, in, in the city that I live in. <laughs> oh, that's why I thought about it. I mean, maybe I don't know. It was unusual. No, I agree, yeah. and I think. Yeah. I also, I I don't I don't know. There's just something about like. Just buying the whole look yeah. and like, wearing the whole look out that feels weird. Like, I don't think I don't know. Th- I guess there's always this debate, or not necessarily debate, but just like. Uh, this talk about like wearing head toe the same designer. Um, that's, yeah, have you ever experienced? You that? know, that's what I should be saying. It's not so much the, the value, of the, but it's like when when you when they're boldly when they're boldly head to toe designer. That that to me is like really you know it's like a warping. It's like where am I? Is this like a, a movie set? Like what is what is happening? It's really like yeah, jarring, just jarring, truly. Um, but these new like Montreal. I mean, and I feel like I I would be aware of this. Like people who are just tourists, I'd be like oh. I know that corner. Like, what the fuck? Like, right? Like, who are your friends? Anyway, usually, of course, you would know their friends, because who you know their friends are also doing the exact same goofy shit that you don't want to be associated with. But um, 
yeah. in Montreal, are these people, have they moved to the city or are they like, or have you learned of them being in Montreal? That's a good question. Uh, I'm fairly certain neither, not that I would really know, but I don't think either of them are French, uh, French-Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would assume that they would have moved here from, from another another city, most likely Vancouver or Toronto. But uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. Yeah, no, it's really, it's also pretty unusual when you, when you, you see someone from online who you know, who you know, you recognize as like oh, online yeah. personality and you see them in the street and you're like, like, this is very like, wi- like, yeah, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Um, yeah. Oh, also, oh shit. Did you know, do you know those materi- material, fake, fecal people? Uh, no, I don't. Is, is it like a resale thing? Really? No, who? no, no, no. It's the, it, they, they're like. I don't know. Performance artists, but they've worked with Rick Owens before. Oh. Um, they're the one. Anyways, yeah. they're, well, because they're they're from here, but they say they're from Paris. Oh. Because there are parts of the city that look very similar to Paris, and that's where they <laughs> take their photos. Um, I might have to cut this out. Oh actually. no! But uh, you, yeah, are they friends, or do you do you have, do you have like mutual connections? No, no, no. I don't. I don't know them or care. Like their work is pretty bad, to be honest. So I, I don't really give a shit. But um, probably have some mutual people. And I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know them. But no, that that's like very like that's very lame when you're what, what like that's they do, they need to be like addressed on that. That's so lame. If like, why would you turn your back on when you grew up? Also, why would you turn your back on when you grew up for fucking Paris? Like, they're like who yeah. who you pretend and like wh- who are you fooling? That's just, that's deep level lame. Like, like there's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Damn, this is going to be a really big topic. I think maybe even like kind of at least for me the reason why I wanted to do this show. Oh. The way that fashion has evolved into this like um like really post need like there is no need for like any of the things that these that a lot of these designers are doing it's it's just really like forced self-expression sort of oh. um and like again I'll, I'll bring up like the, the designers again just to like paint a picture um like the one i talk about a lot is craig green mm-hmm. um or jw anderson mm-hmm. a lot of like the central saint martin school um they they just don't seem to really give a shit about clothes they just really want to just be making something that is art if you know what i mean no i i agree i think that's um i mean this is very expensive i think this this could be like very much its own subject but there is something to be said not only but i also want to like coming to think about the central saint martin like um well i'm thinking i'm really talking about the lamest aspect of this but i think the central saint martin who who is like the the creative director i mean not the 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 um the director of until recently was Vivian Westwood. I think it's very much shaped mm-hmm. by what she believes fashion to be, which is like, and as you described, like it's like these, they're trying to like deposit their creative residue into like fashion and into producing clothing. Like it's like they have this like creative yeah. capacity, but they've sort of misplaced it into the wrong medium. Like they, they, it's like they're they want to yeah. believe they're textile artists, but they're lost in like they but they forget that fashion is more like a business. It's like like well I feel I mean art can be also be a business, and I would say that 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 fashion is the most f- the most commercial form of fine art, you know? It's really like, when a supermarket, yeah. it's like a very commercialized fine art. Um, but maybe they'd like to be 
more on the fine art side, you know, m- seen more as artists. And they're kind of, and I think, yeah, it's like this, this deep, you've really identified it really well, this deep desire to be like a, a, fine, ar- a like fine artist, but um, they've, you know, but I mean, I think there are also other mechanisms that lead them into fashion. Maybe this desire to like um, develop a, a very like exchangeable cultural cachet. It's also very like, it's, it's yeah. kind of, I feel like fashion often accompanies people who are very, um, who can be very eccentric as well, and artists can also be eccentric. So there's yeah. sort of like I feel like um, positive feedbacks that are happening when you pursue fashion, but nevertheless, what you've identified in terms of the, the kind of personality types you are in fashion often do it to like express their art, opposed to like the co- they they don't really realize it's very commercial. It's a very commercial endeavor, and maybe that's why you see a lot of yeah, yeah. In, f- in fashion as well. Yeah, and but it, it's just I I don't understand why the designers that i just named or some of the other ones um see if i can think of them like um Ashton herpen um Ashton herpen i think is the yeah yeah like yeah he, holy yeah, shit right like the really like w- this isn't performance art you're doing like you're, yeah um Hushin's, i love i saw someone oh, yeah, i saw someone repost some stuff from iris van herpen from where whenever she I don't even know if she's still working, to be honest. Um, and just, like, I guess it was just, like, some influencer or whatever on Instagram, like, talking about how, like, revolutionary it was or something. Um, and it's, like, re- like no, it's really? What did it revolutionize? Like, what did it do? I don't see any of it anywhere. So, so as a short note, I, like, I'm happy to end whenever, but I really also want to follow this thought. Cause I, I think this is a great topic, and you're right. This is I'm good to keep going. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this topic. I think we can cut cut something I- to turn into this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love this topic. Sure. No, but like, you're, like there's Ashton Herpin, but then, like, you know, you can also say Hosen Shalane. But then I think, like, this person is saying Ashton Herpin, but they mean Alexander McQueen. They mean Comscasson. They mean, like, right. these other designers. Or, like, Kevin yeah. Chapuel, I think, who truly, like, have succeeded, I think, in blurring. I mean, maybe come discuss on not as of late, but like definitely CCP, yeah, um, uh, Alexander McQueen have succeeded in like, and like what I believe to be pr- producing a fine arts practice within the fashion um, uh, industry. Like that, like in early Majali, you could perhaps say similar thing. So they're they're truly like, but people, I think, like when I look at Ashton Herpin, like or Craig Green, it's like, it's like they've really ha- you know they've tried to really push they've made like a not commercial like their, their product is not very commercial like what is like i think Ashton Herpin would, would do so much better as like a set designer or something or craig green also like why are they trying to produce clothing which is like which forgets the fact that clothing is meant to accompany the body like that's like something to me yeah. essential that that's the challenge is to accompany the body and once you if you abstract that challenge then anyone could be a fucking fashion designer that like that you that, that I always feel the you have to well this is becoming less and less true but I would I would agree if someone came up to me and said that the the challenge in fashion is to address the human body like that is the that is the kind of the the obstacle you have to work around um mm-hmm. sorry that was a tangent oh no that sorry yeah no I thought you were gonna continue that no, I think what you just said is like that's exactly how I feel about it like. I do not feel like these people are doing any work that has anything to do with the human body. And that is the fundamental reason why clothing is an interesting media because you have clear boundaries. It has to be usable, functional, wearable, literally in all those ways. 
Um, and then you can extend that to like comfort. You can extend that to, to all these other little particularities that, that come with clothing as well as just like a way you want to look. Um, and, and I think like what's so sad to me is like these people seem to be stuck in their current profession because they clearly have, in my opinion, fooled people into thinking that this is like good like good work they're doing just mainly because it's something people have never seen before um and now they're yeah they're stuck in this like in this weird especially with craig green it's such a good example you know like his clothes are really fucking boring like that he there's nothing there but the spectacle that he creates around it is like you know that's what drags people into it and and it's like no one there's no intention of this shit to be to be closed actually it's purely just this like media thing yeah i mean you'd want like what yeah why wouldn't they have a foray i'm sure they do have foray into like uh, into like set design etc but or or like textile you know textile design or something that's much more like um you know you know if they're so if they're if they're so disinterested in the, in the subject of the human body, then there are many other uh, avenues or disciplines they can take up, which will accommodate their practice much yeah. more adequately. You don't have to like role play as a fashion designer. Doesn't make any sense. You're not really designing. Yeah. Again, that's that's how, that's my perception of fashion. But maybe it's also a bit draconian. I also feel like and like maybe that's like a bit outdated, especially when you look into like the digital sphere and like how even clothing. You know, m- touching on perhaps what we spoke about a lot earlier. Um, that clothing isn't even necessarily about its material. The material can be abstracted. It's really about like the the visual uh, opulence of it. And if you're you know if you're concerned with that, then you can really begin to you know uh, uh, extrapolate, or you can begin to like um, uh, amputate you know what fashion once was and what it is now, or what clothing design once was and what it is now. But uh, like coming, I think I want to return a bit to what you were saying about um, designers like Iris Van Herpen or Craig Green. Um, I you know there are many others, but um yeah um it's i think this also has something about the the system of like fashion science or fashion like criticism or fashion journalism which is fucking dog shit like it's like the fashion journalism is compared to like any other journalistic practice is so driven by commerce there's so much like conflict of interest mm. in it like y- i really think like there's no it's no surprise people like you know people who pr- produce profession that's that's not so body oriented can proliferate their career it's because no one is telling them it's bad like there's no profit in telling them it's bad they'll like there's no one there to be like you're whack you know they'll be like well they're telling me i'm not whack i want to keep doing this thing like uh ad nauseum but um, i think that's one yeah. aspect as to why it still exists yeah well i mean there is another form of criticism that's in fashion that's more direct and and it's consumer like consumer um behavior and weirdly enough well not iris van herpen obviously but like a lot of these other brands do very well commercially like um hmm. or used to or or did at some point you know but, but perhaps it speaks to like how the maybe maybe this is us like you know now we pull the trigger you know now we're ripping russian relate but um that we are, we are like we are out of touch like the, the what what is fashion is really like and this is this, I think this is the truth. But like we are living in this uh, like at least I can say for myself, I'm living in this like very draconian, archaic view of what fashion is. But actually, what fashion is now has nothing to do with the human body. It's about 
the cultural capital you can you know you can extract from your association your association to a brand and i think that yeah that is like the I mean, I'm always kind of grieving, like you know, because I really, lo- I think what's so beautiful about the, you know, the kind of more body oriented fashion is addressing the body is very is a really profound challenge. Like the ma- the technical detail, or the or the mechanic, or you know, understanding how to like draft a pattern to make a certain shape is no small feat. Like it's a real like you know you have to be like a math- you know you're like the second coming of Pythagoras whenever you can like do you know a dot in a certain yeah. way. Like so. But like that, that practice is kind of lost. Like especially if you don't care about the body, there's no point in it, you know caring about how to make clothing of that like complexity. You just care about it being like clout worthy. I, I also I, yeah, I also really like what you said. Also, you know about Carol and uh, uh, Margella and even. I mean, yeah. I think I think early comp. It's hard with come together. I think I think early comp, but like late comp, yeah. Businessy, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, those two specifically, and you know what? Maybe Helmet Lang is another good example. But um, yeah, like I, I, I want to say, I'm not trying to say that like there is no way to have some sort of like profound like experience with regards to clothes, and that it's not just like this like pursuit of the right fit of pants or whatever, but that you really have like you have to be a master at that shit and a lot of these people are not and they're and the the problem is that they're not they're they're like they might be good pattern makers at some point because hopefully they went to school for that stuff but they're not really using that ability um they're uh they're doing something else with it and they're they're failing in both in both ways in my opinion but it's also interesting to like kind of follow the line, you know, on, on when that shift sort of was really prominent. Looking at you know creative directors and at what the expectations expectations of their role, how how that's changed. Like I think maybe like someone could really look at uh, Hedis Laman's career and see him shift from being being like you yeah. know because he, he comes from like a like a uh, a tailoring tailoring background, right? But I feel like through through his career, you see him shift from being very like practical hands-on about the design of things to being more about establishing like the the cultural universe where it fits so being more about like the um the curation of the image opposed to the production of like the garment and i think it's 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 also really beautiful because in his career um he has this really like switch of focus or like it's a personification because yeah. he is now so like obsessed with like photography right but early in his career he comes mm-hmm. from like tailoring so even in his personal life he shifted professionally um, from like the production or like the garment oriented to image orientation, so he's such like, a beautiful mm. like um, character anal- uh, character analysis or um, you know personification of this shift in fashion, like from the yeah, garment production to uh, image creation. You see it again at the, at the senior level with you know art directors like the Alex guy, uh, Kanye I think, yeah, uh, the Vetements guy. They're more like DJs, you know. They they come back. They're more like DJs of images opposed to addressing the human body and i think um that's like an industry shift that we've seen i, I think Hedy's an interesting one because he he is credited as like you know like famously credited as um like changing the male silhouette male fashion silhouette to like obviously like the very skinny and so there is something there where he was just like so fascistic about the way that he cut his clothing that it like forced the whole world 
you know, I'm obviously being hyperbolic here, but like force a whole world to change their their um, viewpoint uh, into to his. Um, and and yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I, I I do fully agree that he's a really good character study, and you bringing up that point of him being a photographer and like the image based. We, we haven't really talked about this even personally on a personal level, but like there's not really that many designers that I even look at anymore uh, personally for myself for, for buying clothes. Uh, and his stuff is really the only one that seems like interesting to not even not interesting, actually very much not interesting, but just shit that I want to wear. Um, mostly because it's like stuff that I'm already very comfortable with. It's just like the good. And like, like I said, like a new new version of of something that's just like recognizable and comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I I I think, um, yeah, I think as you've said, like Hedy uh, has established kind of his language, and it's been, and not only has he established language like a design language, and within fashion, it's also like been championed. It's very popular, so that's a feat in itself, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That's like he's not just like again, you know, he. He's good at what he does. He, his des- his design um, perspective, his lens is like valuable. It's like he's saying something. You know, he's on the pulse of something. But um, yeah. in terms of, I, I always I take a bit of issue with the um, there not being like new good design or like it's hard. I don't, maybe that's not what you mean, but like m- maybe you, you just know what you like very well. But I'm like I I was of that viewpoint for maybe two years. But at the same time, like it's different for you because you're in like um, fashion more closely than I am. But I w- really wasn't watching mm-hmm. like fashion media for for a, re- a period of time until recently, until quite recently. And I was surprised. And I, uh, before I had seen it quite recently, I was of the mind that nothing good, you know, people are just doing lame bullshit. There's just like these like Sean Sean, these like shitty brands happening like left and right. Don't care about them. They suck. But then I looked at Paris Fashion Week like end of last year. And I was like, wait a minute. Like I really went through like every person, every new name I didn't recognize to be like, is there anyone here? And out and I had a, I came out with a, a handful. Maybe I'm easily pleased. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about that now, because like, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to say that he's the only good fashion designer. Like, no, definitely not. There, and I agree. There are some names, um, that we could talk about now, uh, you know, just to maybe end the show, um, but it's really just like about what works into my personal wardrobe and what I'm feeling comfortable with. And that really doesn't mean that, like, you know, I'm I'm doing the heady boy thing. Like, I'm I'm five nine, first of all, so yeah, yeah. it's say, not you're six foot it's, five. it's over for me right there. Maybe this is like this is my Napoleon moment, but like, I'm what drives me is to like conquer that silhouette without need with, while being a short king, basically. Like, I'm gonna fucking wear something that fits into that you know that like realm of things without feeling you know like there's those fucking guys that are like it's like they're wearing fucking dick tight skinny jeans but really shouldn't be you know like i'm i'm definitely not trying to be that but it, it's just like all of my cultural references are like you know guys that dress in like vintage vintage t-shirts and jeans and like boots and shit like that so there's not that many designers doing the shit that's actually going to appeal to me. Um, and I'm fully okay with, like, the very little amount of designer clothing I buy being from one designer. First of all, 5'7", there can only be one 
short king um mark you know and that's right. five seven five nine you know kings short kings no Ki- we can say kings two having never seen the flesh having only consumed your high quality content digitally i have to say the i th- feel like you've captured you've captured the sexy boy summer 24 7 uh hedy uh, slaman look quite <laughs> well i don't think i feel like you've you know you've, you've conquered that you've you know, you're Napoleon, you've swam across, you know, you swam away from exile, mm-hmm. you made it back to France, you know, you really... You yeah, know, I'm back. You're back, you're back, you're, you never left, you were always there, so I don't know. Don't let these six, five fucking yetis get to you. They, they, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Caring about that shit, like being like, wow, there's like these guys that can wear the full look and make it look good, but like wearing the full look is fucking lame. That's just not going to be everybody, and, and like, I don't know, it's just sick to kind of let that go and uh but that is you that uh, is you you are i mean maybe you're not feeling head to you know you're not wearing headsets or heady but you're i don't maybe you're like trying to like uh self-discriminate or not discriminate or uh, demean yourself whatever it's not working you won't get me you 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 know you're doing like i don't but i'm not the thing is like i i think the thing is like i'm not really trying to like there's a sensibility that Hedy has, which is like... Hedy. There you go. Give, if, uh, take, oh it. <laughs> take it. Take it. No, you look great. I know it's like, I think it looks fine. Uh, like, um, you're, you're doing... You've got the sexy boy look going. You also... You also outed us as never having... Which I think is an interesting uh, interesting part of this. Never having... Met. Oh. Like we're, like yeah, yeah. That, we're internet... That's spoiler. Internet, uh, whatever. That's, yeah. Only the yeah. Uh, tier 3 patron can know, have access to that knowledge. Um, yeah, we're truly like an yeah. internet degen combo, truly of the of the culture. Um, but yes, shall we call it there? Yeah, then we can uh, do it. Right. Episode one.